We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Brad, welcome. How are you? We'll get to Brad Thomas now on the Travis. Let's do that. And then we'll take a break and get the big shot here at Bar. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How's it going? All right, Brad, let's get to tomorrow's race. Uh, first of all, overall thought on the Travis. Well, it's who's not here at this point. Maximum Security, the best horse in the division, first in the Derby, winner of the Haskell. He's resting for the uh, Pennsylvania Derby. War of Will, the Preakness winner, is resting for the Pennsylvania Derby. Country House got sick. Game winner got sick. The two-year-old champion, Sir Winston, the Belmont winner, got hurt. So this is what's left. Why do you think they, why do you think they didn't come to the Travis, Brad? Well, these are the, this is the modern racing game. It's a combination of these horses not being as durable, their connections wanting to win every start and not wanting to ever run them when they're not 110%. And it's also the emergence of the Pennsylvania Derby as a grade one race offering a lot of money. It's very, very hard to expect horses to run in the Haskell, a month later the Travers, a month later the Pennsylvania Derby, and a month or so later the Breeders' Cup Classic. You have to miss something, and this year the Travers has been a casualty. Uh, what we, right now? What what three year old do you think is the best three year old in the country? Maximum security and hope proven otherwise. He was going to win the Derby under any circumstances. He was strong at the end and pulling away. In the Haskell, he met a challenge from a super cranked up Mucho Gusto. He had to work hard putting away the speed and then repulsing that one. He's been the one who's been consistent from the beginning of the year till now. He also won the Florida Derby, of course. All right, let's go through the, uh, for tomorrow's Travis. Let's take a look at the uh, field of 12, Owendale. He really came of age at Keeneland in April when he was set with a deep off-the-pace style. He got pace there, as he did in the Preakness, when he rallied for third. He was wide into the stretch in that race. The horses who finished in front of him benefited from the bias as well as the pace scenario. Uh, in the Ohio Derby last time, he had pace and bias in his favor. Uh, was all out to beat a horse, horse named Math Wizard, who only was a mediocre third subsequently in the Indiana Derby. But I'm not going to hold that totally against him because... He needed a rest race after those two peak efforts in the spring. His trainer, Brad Cox, a modern conditioner, a guy who's on the rise, he's all about time between starts. He wanted to be sure Owendale was fresh coming into the Travers. He is with a 63-day break. I expect him to move forward. My issue is a mile and a quarter. Owendale has not run strongly or super strongly through the wire in the Preakness at a mile and three-sixteenths and in the Ohio Derby at nine furlongs. A mile and a quarter at Saratoga is very, very testing. I question whether Owendale is quite the 10 furlong Saratoga horse. All right, the now horse, Code of Honor. He won a paceless race at Saratoga as a first-time starter on the lead, but has evolved into a closer after stumbling at the start in the Champagne and moving strongly into the pace in that race and rallying well. Mr. B.C. Juvenile, because of an illness, uh, did well in Florida this winter when things were in his favor in the Fountain of Youth. Good bias, a good pace setup, a perfect inside trip. Had things against him in the Florida Derby, a tough trip, pace and bias circumstances that were unhelpful, and we also know that McGay was probably saving a little something for the Kentucky Derby. He ran great 
in Louisville, uh, was inside saving ground, may not have been the best part of the track, but that was more than mitigated by the fact he didn't have to go wide like so many others. Loomed, challenged maximum security, uh, probably was intimidated a little bit by the tight quarters, but I think more than anything else, he's not truly a mile and quarter horse. He came back 63 days later, and the Dwyer, though, had no pace help, was powerful and super accelerating, uh, perfectly ridden by John Velasquez. Watch the replay of that race to see how Velasquez perfectly timed his tip out between horses. That's what a veteran Hall of Fame jockey can do. It made Code of Honor look maybe a little bit better than he actually is, but I do love the fact that he's matured physically. His muscle mass has really, really gotten strong. He's paired up good figures. McGee has figured out that this horse needs to train hard but have time between starts. He has 63 days for the Dwyer. He has 49 days here. He might be better at a mile and a quarter now since he's more mature and some of the top horses in the division are not there. But truly, I think this horse's actual ultimate best, best distance is a mile or a mile on the 16th around one turn at Belmont. I think he's a metropolitan horse for next year. I think he'll be tough in the Travers, but I do think he's vulnerable at a mile and a quarter. And I wouldn't even use, I wouldn't even mention highest honors except for two things. One, he's a tappet, and two, it's Chad Brown. So I have to mention him. Uh, he's obviously very lightly raced. How about highest honors here? It's 2019, though. These lightly raced horses, they do produce, and this horse is a legitimate talent. He was troubled, but game in his key race debut at Keeneland. He beat the next that winner stretching out at Belmont uh, second time out. Then he stretched out the two turns for the first time in the Curlin, benefited from a strongly off-the-pace and outside track, uh, made the last run, and got up over a decent field, galloped out powerfully though after that race nobody else galloped out that was a tiring track but he kept going like a mile and a quarter is right in his wheelhouse he's very athletic he's very smooth he's very efficient he is a true route horse he loses jose ortiz to tacitus ortiz was committed to that horse all along picks up luis saez who's outstanding uh in the top realm with all these uh top top jockeys right now you hit the nail on the head mike the big question for this horse does he have the seasoning? Does he have the foundation with only three starts? The wet track last time might have helped him as well. It's going to be dry tomorrow for the Travers, but I love his talent. And like you said, Chad Brown, he can get magic things out of horses, and I think this horse is a talent for him to mold. Chad Brown's already won 25 races and 125 starts at Saratoga this meet. Laughing Fox. Hasn't been able to compete with the best in the division, even when he's been well set up pace-wise. A mile and a quarter is not going to do him any favors. He's not going to win. Ever fast. Got excellent pace setups and trips in his two best performances, Mike. That was with the Holy Ball and the Preakness. Still, he was unable to win either one, and those fields weren't really strong either. Interestingly, those races came off quick turnarounds of about two weeks. And his Belmont, which was actually a pretty good race, even though he was a non-factor, that was off 21 days of rest. I think he's the rare modern horse who wants to come back quick. He's coming back in 35 days, though, here. He was dull in the Haskell off 42 days. I don't think he gets anything. All right. Uh, the Belmont runner-up, Tacitus. Showed athleticism, slicing through traffic to win the Tampa Bay Derby, had some legitimate early trouble, and then had to move into a very fast pace to get position in the wood. 
still managed to finish well, uh, showed in those two races he could overcome adversity, but he couldn't do so in his last two. In the Derby, he was ranked behind horses, getting tons of slop in his face uh, first time around, and then went too wide. In the Belmont, he was very wide throughout at ground loss, extreme ground loss, and also against an extreme inside bias that existed that day. Uh, in the Jim Dandy, coming back off the break, he stumbled out of the gate, had to move up to get position, then got shuffled into the second turn, uh, tried to rally inside after that, came again. Uh, it's really hard, though, to rally inside, especially if, it, if you've been used pretty hard already. Uh, if you're sitting a perfect trip, you can slip through and, 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 and do it, but he was used so hard at that point that he could not sustain his run. He puts blinkers on for his eighth career start, and I'm not in love with that. I really like blinkers on in the spring when these horses are inexperienced and the trainers are still learning what they need. But this late in the game, it's kind of smashed of, okay, we've had constant trouble, let's try something. He did work in an improved fashion. He is a true mile and a quarter horse, one of the few in this race, and that alone makes him the horse to beat. You combine that with being a masterful Bill Mott hands, uh, he's going to be hard to down. All right, we're talking with Brad Thomas about the uh, Travis tomorrow at Saratoga. Mucho gusto. He wasn't ready for the triple crown, Mike, but he's always been super high regarded by these connections problem was in the spring he did not relax he did not ration his speed but he was taught to rate in the affirmed he was disdainfully very wide in that race he middle moved he finished well going him on the 16th beat his well-regarded barn mate roadster in that contest then he came to the haskell fully cranked baffert did everything he knows how to do to get a horse ready to win a grade one race ran against maximum security though stretching out to a mile and an eighth was wide all the way tracking that rival followed maximum security with a strong middle move had a better trip because of that uh, the maximum security he didn't have to work quite as hard he challenged he loomed he was not good enough uh he earned a big figure though one of the biggest figures in the field in fact i believe the biggest speed figure of anybody in this field right now after the haskell he was pointing for september he was going to take a couple months off have one race and then run in the breeders cup but then maximum security didn't show up for the Travers, and then his own barnmate game winner uh, got sick and didn't show up. So Baffert has plugged mucho gusto into that breach. Now note for this horse the six- and five-day gaps between his last two works and the five-day gap between his last work and the Travers. Before that, he was working every seven or eight days and then had eight days off following a workout before the Haskell. Baffert has intensified the training program to make this race because he wasn't originally scheduled for it. Now, some horses thrive under that circumstance. Some horses go backwards. We'll find out, but Baffert has a great record shipping him for the Travers. The question for Mucho Gusto is a mile and a quarter distance. And interestingly, strategically, I think he's the one on the lead. I think Baffert is going to send him, and he's inside tax. Baffert's Travers winners, West Coast, Arrogate. They were on the lead. American Pharaoh got beat even running a great race. He was on the lead. Baffert puts horses on the lead in the Travers. All right. Uh, makes it a very interesting race because Baffert and Mucho Gusto. Uh, Dallas Stewart, our old buddy, comes in with Chess Chief. He's slowly improving. Uh, doesn't, finish, uh, doesn't finish especially well in his races, even going a mile in the eighth. I don't think a mile and a quarter is going to help him. I don't think he's good enough, but don't use Dallas Stewart at your own risk. All right, and looking at bikinis, Chad Brown's back with another lightly raised horse. 
third race off a layoff, though, and that's the pattern that all these trainers want coming into a big race. They all want to be in the derby third off the layoff, and Brown has looking at Bikini's third race off a layoff. That third time form cycle angle for these modern trainers is really big. This horse showed a nice change of pace, stretching out to a mile in his 2019 debut. Benefited from a fast pace and a bias, but I really love the way he was able to take back a couple times to show multiple gears to really let the race come to him. That was impressive for a second-time starter. Then he was against a huge double bias, stretching out to nine furlongs in the Curlin. His pace rival was the talented sprinter Roy Wayton. Roy Wayton looked went by looking at bikinis into the stretch. Looked like he was going to beat him by many. Looking at bikinis on the dead rail, dug back in and beat Roy Wayton uh, for third in that race. That, this horse has gameness. This horse has class. He wasn't able to contend with the two horses who rallied from well off the pace, but he is a horse who is going to get better. I don't know what strategy he's going to employ in this race. Chances are, human nature being what it is, he's not going to go to the lead. They went to the lead. They tried that. It didn't work against Top Comfy. He's going to try to take back a little bit. Uh, mile and a quarter should be fine for him. I don't think he's quite good enough to win this race. He's not super sexy. He's not super. He's not one of those big accelerating type horses, but he is a horse who can get involved in here at a little bit of a price. All right. Stanley Huff's coming in with Scars Are Cool, uh, who is eligible for non-winners of one. Now, this is a little amazing, coming off a maiden special to run in the Travers. Uh, what about Scars Are Cool? He's a fourth-time starter, as you alluded to. He's improving with every effort. He really stepped up in his two-turn debut last time out, going nine furlongs over the track, and that is important because distance racing at Saratoga is demanding. He made a perfectly timed run. He decisively outkicked a promising Chad Brown trainee. This horse has ability. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins great at stakes races, but he has a sprinty damn side of his pedigree. I think that distance perhaps limitation combined with his inexperience will keep him out of the top few slots. Endorsed. He won at Saratoga as a first-time starter last August. He lacked the seasoning to handle the one post in the champagne in his next start, but did move into the fast pace uh, early on in that race and uh, had to deal with some traffic. He beat Older coming back uh, off a layoff in 2019, uh, debuting uh, for the season going six furlongs. He was aided by a very fast pace. He had Joel Rosario on board that day. Then he stretched out to nine furlongs in the Curlin, was biased Ada coming from behind, but made the first run. The winner of the race made the second run. He was clearly outfinished by highest honors. Now he switches back to Rosario. Rosario rode Roy Wayton in the uh, Curlin. Perhaps uh, he had a previous call on that horse, but he's back now on endorsed. Endorsed is the other horse in here who's improving and is third race off a layoff uh, at that point in his form cycle, which is really important and the good thing for these modern trainers. Endorse is trained by Karen McLaughlin, who has a good recent record in the Travers dead heater uh, with Alpha a few years ago, ran lights out against American Farrow with uh, Frosted, uh, finished uh, third in that race, but was the one that really took down American Farrow by the way he dueled with him. Endorse, uh, I'm just not sure that this horse is ready to make that necessary forward move that he's going to need to win this race. And I don't think he's pure going a mile and a quarter, but he could be a factor.
Uh, you, you have to pay attention to Danny Goggin at Saratoga. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. I mean, if you don't pay attention, you're not, you're not paying attention to anything if you're not paying attention to this guy. I mean, the guy wins every time you turn around. Uh, now he takes this horse that he claimed for $50,000 and ran in the Derby this year and brings him back now into Travis. How about tax? This horse had foot problems in the spring, Mike. They interfered with his training. Despite that, he still was a very game second to Tassus in the wood. Couldn't handle the slop in the derby. Was a bias eight at fourth in the Belmont. Uh, that was an improved race. His feet continued to get much, much better. Uh, Gargan told everybody before the Jim Dandy that his horse was doing great, and it reflected by his performance. You could see the physical development in tax. He really got better physically. He has a super pedigree on both sides, too. Even though this horse was claimed for $50,000, the pedigree is substantially better than that. He was aided by a soft pace and the bias on Jim Dandy Day, but I love the early tractability he showed when he was able to ease back off War of Will when that headstrong horse insisted on going to the lead. He raided, he attacked, and then he drew clear an upper stretch with a really nice spurt. Maybe the problem with him before was he didn't have that acceleration. He was a one-pace grinder, but he spurted clear an upper stretch in the Jim Dandy, and that was decisive. He held off Tacitus, uh, has a great monocord of pedigree. His workouts for the uh, Travers have gotten even better still following the Jim Dandy. Gargan has told everybody willing to listen to this horse is doing better still. Uh, he's also announced that he's going to go for the lead, so that's going to be interesting because I think Mucho Gusto, who's inside him, is going to go for the lead, and I think with an all-out send, Mucho Gusto is clearly the faster horse, so the interaction between those two is probably going to be pretty decisive. All right, Brad, what do you think now? He got, we went through the 12 horses for the Travis tomorrow. It's going to be a nice day of racing there. There is uh, eight stake races overall, and this is the feature race. Uh, it's a very big race, uh, and again, it's the, uh, the big moment at Saratoga. What do, you, what do you think? Well, my win threats are highest honors in Tacitus. Tacitus is the likeliest winner by a touch. Highest honors is the horse with upside. I'm going to be playing highest honors probably to win because he'll be the bigger price. I'll reverse exactly with Tacitus over him. I'll also play them in trifectas and supers with the idea being that both highest honors and Tacitus have to be in one of those tri or super slots. In one of the other slots or both of the other slots, I'll be sure to have Code of Honor, Owendale, looking at bikinis. And on other tickets, less to a lesser extent, I'll also have endorsed Mucho Gusto, Tax, and Stars are Cool. In the, in the other slots, but I'm really keying highest honors and Tacitus with the idea that both of them will be there in the tries and the supers, and highest honors will be my win bet because of the price. Do you like any other, you, do you have another horse in one of the other stakes you like tomorrow that you want to mention? Anybody that stands out to you? Yeah, race 10, the grade one sword dance, a mile and a half on the turf, always a great race, uh, ones I enjoy. The nine Sadler's Joy is a true mile-and-a-half horse. He also loves giving the ground. He's going to get both of them on Saturday, and that's going to move him up. He also loves Saratoga. He loves three-turn distance racing because he's really good on the bends. He had absolutely no chance last time out in his return, had horrendous stretch traffic. He's going to angle out clear into the stretch tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Brad, very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Yeah. You're welcome. My pleasure. Right, Brad Thomas at Saratoga. We'll take a quick break. Come back with Big Shot right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.